Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, everyone. This is David Tatashore, lead engineer and studio manager of the Heritage Radio Network, and I'm reaching out to ask for your support during our end-of-year fund drive. A contribution in any amount supports our weekly programming and our mission to make the world a more equitable, sustainable, and delicious place. Plus, you'll receive exclusive member benefits like monthly playlists, discounted event tickets, party invitations, and more. So if you like good food and you love good food radio, throw a little dough our way. Make your gift at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Happy holidays from all of us here at Heritage Radio Network. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. We'll be talking about Belgian beer and the Battle of the Belgians today on Beer Sessions Radio. Big shout out to beer, uh, our sponsor, Union Beer Distributors, supplier of world-class ales and lagers. We've got some great guests today. Uh, Tony Forder from Ale Street News. Tony, you've been, uh, you know, editing this great Largest circulation beer magazine in America for over 20 years, and uh, been leading tours to Belgium. So we'll talk about some places that you you go on the tour and some of your favorite breweries. Excellent. Nice to be here, Jimmy. Happy holidays. Good to have you, man. And George, the the young guy, George. uh, How you doing, Jimmy? How do you pronounce your last name? Flickinger. Flickinger from B United. Indeed. Well, the kid went to school in Scotland and gets to travel the world now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. uh, Luckily, it's amazing. Uh, But I'm with B United International. Uh, we import uh, quite a lot of beer from all over the world. Great. And we're going to talk about uh, annual tasting of Belgian beers. And Tony's been a, a judge uh, several years. And we're going to taste some of those beers as well and, and announce some of the winners. And a new special guest, um, Dan, introduce yourself. He's opening a beer bar in Williamsburg. Hey, Dan LaMonica of Beer Karma. Uh, the soon-to-be uh, Beer Karma bottle shop and tasting counter should be open in early 2017, hoping for a February 14th opening. All right. Sure. So going back maybe 2009 or 10. Uh, Jimmy's number 43 hosted a, an event called Battle of the Belgians. Um, there were some great new breweries in America making Belgian-style beers. And uh, some of us wanted to actually show that, wow, the Americans are making better beer than Belgian. And uh, that the, maybe the Belgian beers weren't relevant anymore. And uh, over the years, some of the Belgian importers and producers kind of rose up and said, you know what, you're, you're wrong about that. You don't really know anything about Belgian beer. And now that we, we end up tasting more Belgian beers than American at the event. And I've noticed in the last couple of years, a lot of my customers coming in just asking for classic Belgians, whether it's a Trappist, a Rochefort, a, a Chimay, a Duvel. And I still think that's an important part of the craft beer segment. And I feel like that so many of us are focused on just American craft. So um, let's start talking about that, you know, how it shifted from, you know, 15 years. We had the same kind of show last week talking about, you know, 15 years ago, so, some great Belgian beers were considered, you know, the best beers in the world. And, and I think a lot of young, younger American drinkers haven't even tasted the best Belgian years. What about you, Dan? Uh, you, you've been out there in the scene 
checking uh, out places? I mean, I think it's for me. I, I took a trip to Belgium three years ago, and, and that was sort of a big shift in me having a great, great love for beer. Uh, you know, I think there are a lot of the great American IPAs that are exciting right now, but but there's so much great Belgian beer that that's just as good as all the American beers. Uh, maybe not necessarily better, but. You know, it, it, you have to look at the roots of, of Belgian craft uh, as the reason why we're drinking all of the great American beers we are right now. Yeah, absolutely. When you're in Belgium, it's it's not just the <clears throat> the beer which is great, but it's the presentation as well. Uh, you know, every brewery has its own glass. They can't really get into a bar unless they have their own glassware, um, and it's just the way they they treat the whole thing. And um, it's just uh, it's it's a reverence of beer over there. So what, what are the beer centers of Belgium? You know, let's say 15, 20 years ago, beer fans knew if you, if you said these towns, people would, would gush and they would tell you the breweries that they'd been to. What, what are those towns and, and, and what are the key breweries that people would still want to visit? Well, I mean, it's really kind of a uh, nice thing about Belgium is we've been taking groups there since for 20 years um, is that there's breweries spread out all over the country and you can visit um, small uh, artisanal breweries, which are really, really a treat, um, you know, the small operations. And then you can go to the larger operations like, uh, you know, a Duval Morgat or, or a uh, Rodenbach. Um, but I would say, you know, the classic cities, of course, are Bruges, which is more famous for its bars than actual breweries. There's a couple of breweries um, in town there. Uh, Brussels, same thing. Obviously, you have Kinti on there, which is famous for Lambic. If you like Lambic beers, there's a whole region uh, in the Seine Valley outside of Brussels where that is the, the Lambic region and that they have the designated name that, you know, for Lambic beers brewed there. Uh, the Trappist monasteries are kind of spread out, but it's like um, we always try and fit one or two of them in on our tours. Definitely, you know, like a pilgrimage going to one of those places or a vowel. Uh, some of them aren't so welcoming to groups like Rochefort. It's hard to get into West Fletter, and it's impossible. But Chimay, you can book a book a tour there. Um, Akel, um which is up in the north uh, west, uh, no, sorry, northeast. Uh, it's a small brewery there. Um, if you can't get into West Flatiron, you can go to the cafes there, which are a great experience too at uh, West Flatiron and the West Mall. So, on the, on the trips, is part of it experiencing the Belgian culture? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's just the way they they have a, a, re, a more relaxed style of life, but they appreciate the good things, you know, uh, the food, um, the atmosphere in the cafes. Like I said before, the beer presentation. Um, it's um, it's it's just a, a different style of life, and um, there's really uh, almost unlimited beers to uh, explore over there. And of course, we always have beer on the bus. We go for a week. No, that's great. We're going to talk a lot, lot more about that. And, um, you know, one way we're going to showcase what you know, we're talking about on the show is that uh, George from United brought in a bunch of Dodola, yep. which was one of the more popular beers at Battle of the Belgians this year. You know, what is it about Dodola? And, Tony, I know you've been there, too. So let's let's taste this beer and, and talk a little bit about that brewery because we have quite a few beers to yep. get through with that. So I, if you'd like, I could go through sort of a, a little history of, uh, of Dodola. Um, but uh, to... To kick off, we just opened uh, Dodol's Dule Teve, uh, which is their uh, triple-style beer. Uh, and the triple was uh, really famously first brewed by the West Male Trappist Brewery um, in, uh, I want to say, the mid-1900s. Uh, uh, but uh, 
Dule Teve is their interpretation of this golden, very strong style of beer, uh, which is in your glass now. It's about 10% alcohol by volume. So it's like a triple... Yeah, what are other beers like it? George, what's the so, translation of that? The Dulce? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't I sure whether or not story. I could say that, but uh, <laughs> so it, it it does mean mad. It's called Mad Bitch in Belgium, um, and uh, it was uh, before the show. After, he asked me if he could swear. I, well, I really wasn't sure. I, I wanted to make sure that you That's, know. What is that? Yeah. Uh, Don't be a bitch. It wasn't like term? NPR or something. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, what does this uh, taste like to you? Thank you, David. Uh, this is delicious. I mean, for for a ten percent ABV beer, it's very very drinkable. Uh, it's got a little bit of that clove flavor you usually get at Belgian triples, but it's not overpowering. Sometimes uh, there's a lot of uh, Belgian triples that I'm not a big fan of, but this is very easy drinking uh, for, for a big beer. One thing, I'm glad that you, we had this show after the election. I'm not going to mention any candidates, but the Dolatava would have been a Man, yeah. I'd have been used in the election okay. <laughs> on one side or the other. I don't know. Yeah. Glad we didn't have to do that. Okay. And you didn't actually translate Dadol Brewers, uh, the Mad Brewers. Yep. These guys are crazy. Yeah, so Dadol was was founded in, uh, in 1980. That was the dumbest thing I ever saw. Just <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I should go through a brief history of, of Dadol because it's, it's quite fascinating. And actually, it, it really helps to sort of elucidate the history of Belgian beer in general. But... Uh, Dodol was um, was founded uh, in 1980, uh, actually just around the time that Sierra Nevada was founded, in fact. Uh, and it was founded by two brothers, uh, Chris Ersteller and his brother, who no longer works at the brewery. Uh, but they were both home brewers, and uh, they started looking for a, uh, a brewery, and they ended up purchasing this brewery that dated back to about 1835, uh, just after Belgium actually became a country, uh, modern Belgium at least. Uh, but uh, they were a very avid uh, bicyclists, um, and... Uh, uh, they sort of took a name for their bicycle team and turned it into the Mad Brewers. It's Dodol Browers. Uh, and uh, that name, obviously, they've carried on uh, ever since. But, That's uh, great. So what are some other Belgian beers that we know that, that are similar to this style? It's 10%. Well, I, I mean, uh, again, the, uh, the icon of this style is West Mali Triple. Uh, and this, that is really what every brewer looks to replicate, or they look to at least, when they're brewing the triple style. But the triple and these strong golden ales have really become one of the most popular subsets of, uh, like, Trappist beers in Belgium. And, and just going back to basis, because uh, I forget that some of us, like Tony, you know a lot about Belgian beers, and not everybody else does. You know, some of my customers get confused when they have an American beer, and I, I write, it's a Belgo IPA or a Belgo Palo, Belgian style. Right. How would you guys, if I said it was a Belgian style, what would you expect from that in an American beer? Well, with, a, with an IPA, is generally they're using Belgian yeast um, with, the, with the IPA. So you're getting the, uh, you know, the hoppy American experience and then um, using some funky Belgian yeast with it. You know, you also have the white IPAs around now, but it's worked both ways. Not only are the American brewers making a Belgo IPA, but Belgian brewers have, with the influence of Americans, added more hops to their recipes and also making Belgian IPA. So it's kind of a. And Dan, what about for you? Because you're, you're like, you know, you're out there, you've been tasting beer, opening a new place. You know, if someone says it's a Belgian style beer, I mean, I think for the most part, they're they're very easy drinking and approachable. I mean, even even the big boozy ones like the the triples, and we're going to have a quad at some point today. Is that they're they're over ten percent alcohol and they're still easy drinking. They 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 pair very very well with food, uh, and there's very rarely a Belgian beer style that I can think of that's abrasive. You know, even, even the Belgian style sours are, still tend to be very well balanced and easy drinking. So I think that's that's the allure of Belgian beers for people, and, and especially people that are new to the beer world uh, or that, that that are getting interested in it. It's just go to 
to Belgians, you know, I mean, the the saisons, the, the triples, the quads, and, and that's where you're going to sort of have an opportunity to find something that you really, really love uh, and, and want to drink more and more of great beer. Tony, have you been to Dodola, the brewery? Yes, we have. Um, is it actually a place to visit? I mean, is it? Oh, uh, yes, yeah, you can set up a tour. They're open on the weekends for tasting and for sales. Uh, but you can set up a group tour during the week. Uh, Chris, actually, the brewery, he's also a full-time an artist and an architect, I think. Something about the, the Del Tebby, I don't know if this is true, but was that named after Chris's mother-in-law? It was, yes. <laughs> and uh, She is a real firebrand, uh, Moose, I think they call her mom. And uh, she gives the tours. I don't know if she still does. She does not anymore. Because no. she was in her 80s last time we were there. Yeah, she's about like 99-ish yeah. now. So I, I've been buying this beer for I don't know how many years, and I never knew the translation. Yeah, well, we... You can't well, say I, it on air again, George. That no, was okay, once sorry, enough. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, we we uh, thought that it uh, would have been a bit much for the U.S. We didn't want to call it Mad yeah. in the U.S. market. It was too but much. But there, there's one. There's like a flying dog uh, raging, in, yeah. in Jersey. Raging, like, raging bitch. bitch. Yeah. Well, they have the canine thing going on down there. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that is also a Belgian-inspired beer, so yeah. interesting. Yeah, there's some other interesting – Another some other like uh, founders. They have American-made Belgian-style beers that have this uh, like outrageous type of name. What's right. the one from uh, Founders? Does anyone know? I have no idea. Arrogant Bastard, maybe? Arrogant Bastard. No, that's, no, that's no, no, a stone. A stone. Uh, Backwards Bastard. No, uh, something. Somebody should know. Listener, uh, what's the, f- the Founders beer that... <laughs> Justin's looking at me. There's a Founders beer that has a... An outra- it's a Belgian-style beer with an outrageous name. <laughs> kind of like these, what we're saying. But, yeah. All right. But, but if that's all we know about Belgian beers, they have outrageous names... But th- but they're tame. That's the thing. They're well, not like they're not like American style beers. They're not huge over the top. I see. I would argue. I would argue against that, Jimmy. I personally find, uh, for me at least, a Belgian style beer is very expressive with its yeast signature and tends to be quite potent and obviously most of its flavor or profile. Yes, it's not massively hoppy. Uh, Belgians are kind of typically kind of adverse to that if you look at the at the styles that they brew. But uh, no, I find for me the most defining characteristic is the uh, expressiveness of the. Yeast. Uh, and uh, their brewing process obviously helped to. So to what's, we're going to taste a lot of beers on this show. Yeah. What, what's the next one that you just poured? Uh, so the next one is uh, is Or Beer. I'll take more too. Oh yeah, totally. one of my favorites. It was, it's very foamy. So Again, you, this was the top to, score uh, in Battle of the Belgians this year. And just note for Battle of the Belgians, which is Beer Sessions Radio, Jimmy's Forty Three. Many years spent Ale Street News and Yankee Brew News involved. Um, we start with pre selections. We're working with top importers, Be United, Shelton Brothers. Another great stuff. So we only start with with the best beers, right. and it's really a way for us to kind of survey what, what's out there. And and and, and it's, it was really a great tasting for me. But tasting the Dodola beers side by side is is a great experience, right? If you yeah. haven't, so we did the Dolateva, which is a triple, right? Now the Or beer, which is what it's a little darker. So the Or beer, uh, it means um, original beer, and it's also sort of a play on uh, the Flemish meaning R beer. Uh, and the beer was one of the first beers that do, uh, that Dodol brewed. Uh, it was originally a homebrew recipe, uh, but the beer itself is really influenced by uh, Flemish-style red-brown beers because that is where they're located. They're located in the northern part of Belgium, which is home to uh, the Flemish uh, mixed fermentation area of Belgium. Uh, so this beer, when it was first brewed uh, uh, during the, at the founding of the brewery, they used uh, Rodenbach's yeast culture. And obviously, we all know Rodenbach for their big, you know, Flemish red ales. Uh, and that yeast culture was a very complex culture of yeast, and it, it created a bit of sourness in the beer. Uh, so the beer today does no, no longer uses that culture. Uh, they had, uh, unfortunately, they had to change because uh, Rodenbach stopped supplying it. So what they do now is they use uh, a culture of yeast, and they also add uh, 
uh, some lactobacillus to do a uh, sour mm -hmm. fermentation. Uh, so the beer itself uh, has uh, is famously adorned on the label with uh, the Orbeer Man, and uh, he is a. Uh, it was drawn. It looks by, like the Michelin Man without all the yes, tires. Yes, totally. So he, that that is that was drawn by Chris. Uh, he does all the labels, but uh, he's a yeast cell actually, and he's got a mash rake in one hand, and he's got his glass in the other hand, and he has a, a little you know, sort of ribbon going over his chest, which says Anno 1980, which is their founding date. Tony, how, yeah, George, if I may just uh, jump in on um, <clears throat> the doll, here's something. As you know, one of their other uh, signatures is the, is the bow tie. Yeah. So um, we, uh, I think the second time we visited um, before the trip, I had my kids help me prepare all these. We cut them out of cardboard bow ties, and we painted them and everything, and then we gave them out to everyone on the bus. And we, walked, no way. we walked into the brewery with all these bow ties. I was wearing a tux just for added effect. And, um, <laughs> they must have had that photograph on their website for about 10 years, I think. Get out of here. That's amazing. But why bow ties? This is what they adorn their, lip, their bottles yep. with. Um, it's a, kind of their logo, one of their logos. And not bow ties in the U.S. Chris, Chris always wears a bow tie when he's brewing also. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, and he, there's no bow ties on the U.S. bottles, unfortunately, because they have to have all the, you know, um, redemption value, all it's, this stuff it's on it. It's too, but, uh, what, outrageous? But Those no, Chris, Belgians are crazy. Chris actually, uh, he showed bad, me. Bad names, and they can't, they put bow ties on their <laughs> He has he has this crazy um, coat too, and it has the Orbeer man all over it. And then he wears this ridiculous bow tie. His uh, he showed me his driving license photo, and it's him with this ridiculously <laughs> large bow tie in the photo. He's a crazy guy. And then Dan, what's your take on this? Uh, I mean, uh, the craziness of the Belgian beers, or or, or, or up to you. Uh, I, I think it's it's an interesting tidbit. I mean, I think you are, you always have to sort of have your your sort of niche where you're carving it out, and if that's part of it, I think this is more tame than than some of the American stuff. Like you were saying, the the raging bitch from Flying Dog. I think they're trying to be a little bit too outrageous, uh, but I think they're doing it uh, uh, all in a, in a good way, in an easy sort of approachable way. Um, but it's they it's have a, a lot of humor. Beer. There's um, the spirit is very strong, so they have a sign when you leave that says "See you in jail." <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's make a toast to the Belgian sense of humor and, and style. And uh, we'll take a short break. Be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. In 1996, El Knife & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, it's our week. You can join us as a member and check us out, heritageradionetwork.org. It's double giving. I think it's still on, right, David? 
Yes, he's saying yes with his thumbs up. So if you uh, go to heritageradionetwork.org, you still want to be a member. Uh, now there's someone that will match it double. So we had until uh, Wednesday. Until Wednesday, two of which is tomorrow. Two of our big uh, regular, uh, you know, supporters and 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 you know people that are on the air here. Uh, Three's Brewing. Uh, from Brooklyn and Brooklyn Brew Shop have both joined as business members in the last two weeks. So give a big shout out to them. Check them out. Three's Brewing, one of our favorite brewers and bars in New York City. And Brooklyn Brew Shop, you want to give a gift for the holidays, buy one of their beer kits. And there's some awesome, awesome people out there. So check it out. Heritage Radio Network. Talk. So we're sitting there hanging out. Um, it's probably one of the better tastings we've ever had. We went from uh, the Dola the, the Dula Teva Triple. Then we had the Dola Or Beer. And um, this is fun, isn't it, Tony? Very, very fun. I feel like I'm almost in Belgium. <laughs> so when, when we do the, these uh, Battle of Belgian-type tastings, you know, it's kind of like this. We've got, you know, anywhere from five to ten writers and beer experts, and we sit around. And kind of like what we're doing on the air. And uh, some of the people that have been through more tastings, it's like Paul Zock from Zock's Homebrew Shop in Connecticut, and um, Sam Barbieri, who's from Waterfront Alehouse. Uh, he, yes, tell Sam. us about your tasting Sam. panels, because you know it's interesting to say there's that culture of homebrewing, there's cultures of drinking, but this culture of people that actually taste beer and uh, rate them is very interesting. Yeah, we used to do a panel up at uh, Sam's um, bar, the, the Waterfront Ale House, one of the originals in Brooklyn, which he has since sold. Uh, Paul Sullivan, one of our writers, would be the you know organize it, and um, with the blind tasting is always interesting uh, what you come up with because a lot of people have preconceived ideas about what they've read, what they've talked about in a certain beer. And when they taste that beer, then they already have these ideas. But when you taste beer blind, I can be quite a surprise what, you know, what you come up with. We did a Trappist beer tasting one time, and um, we had one of our writers, um, he insisted this, it was, um, actually it was a quad tasting, and he, he insisted blind. I recognize that that is um, West Blatter and 12, you know? And it turned out it was Weyerbach, a quad. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he was humbled. <laughs> yeah, and, and something about blind tasting, I, I, the last tasting we did was actually not blind, and I felt it was a little more educational because we could actually ask questions about the brewery and the people that knew about it. Right. Dan, have you been part of any blind tastings or any type of beer judging? Uh, no judging, but I, I've done a few blind tastings sort of to, to test my knowledge. Uh, Black IPAs was actually one of the things I, I was most curious to to blind test myself on because it's sort of like a crisscross of dark roasty flavors like the beer we're drinking right now, uh, and then bright hoppy flavors. So so trying to sort of decipher that was one of the more fun uh, blind tastings. I've well, it, it, just pretend we're doing it blind, like George. We know what this beer is, but we know right. it's a it's a Belgian export stout. Yep. So it is. Uh, it, it is. Dole's stout, um, and uh, it was uh, brewed. Uh, well, to tr- backtrack a bit here, Chris, uh, their head brewer and founder, uh, was very inspired by stouts. And uh, as uh, when he was in his youth, he loved drinking stouts, and uh, he wanted to replicate uh, something similar to stouts when they were brewed back in in uh, in London, maybe in like the middle of the nineteenth uh, century. Uh, and those stouts back in the day would have been partially soured. Uh, so he. Brewed brewed this beer uh, with uh, his house culture of yeast, but he also put it through a partial lactic acid fermentation to add the acidity to the beer itself. Uh, it's also quite high in alcohol, I think about 9% alcohol by volume, uh, and uh, it's one of his favorite beers, he, he claims. Uh, I love it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. It's kind of a unique style, you know, a Belgian st- stout, um, which I think a few other people have been trying, um, but he was one of the first, really, I think. It was kind of unique when it came out. Yeah, no, totally. Um, Isn't this also a, a vintage beer? 
Um, this, what we're drinking is not. However, it is a beer that will age very, very well. And he has a small vintage cellar at his uh, brewery. And we also, when we receive this beer at Be United, often will put away several cases into our vintage cellar uh, to let the beer sit and age over time to see how it develops. Dan, I think this beer is a little weird. It's it's is roasty, but then it's sour. It's it's weird for what you're used to for for most American imperial stouts. So with American stouts, I think you get a lot of like chocolate, coffee, and, and they tend to be pretty sweet. Uh, but this is dry. Uh, that's actually what I'm really enjoying about it. It's very dry compared to a lot of the big stouts that that you get from American breweries. You know. Uh, so I'm actually enjoying it. Weird, weird is a good thing, I, I think, with yeah. beer. I think weird usually makes you think about your beer. Uh, so I don't <laughs> think that's sure. a bad thing that this beer is, beer is weird. Uh, one of the local uh, the New York City Belgian-style brewers, uh, Transmitter, makes a, a sour stout. Uh, I think one of the ones I had was B5. And it was, I mean, it was truly sour. Uh, and I, that was exactly what I said. I said, this beer is weird, but I like it. Uh, so I think that's a good thing to sort of but say about this one. If if I may interject here about stouts, because I think this is this is totally related. But um, when porters were first brewed, or when they were later brewed, they were aged in vats, um, and those vats would uh, lend some sourness to the the porter itself. And in fact, those vats inspired Rodenbach to build their big fooders, uh, and now really are this it's the signature of their beers. No, one so thing that's about Belgium. I've heard that there's a lot of, of secrets. You know, a few years ago, uh, Green Flash was doing collaborations with St. Fulian, and they said that when the Belgian brewer came to San Diego, he was able to explore, and they talked about different techniques, and they would go in the hills and pick herbs. But the, they said when they were in at the Belgian brewery, they weren't really – they said there's some more like secrets in, in these techniques of Belgium. Who wants to talk about that? Well, I mean, one of the are there secrets, and do they not share as much as American brewers do? One of the things, which is not really a secret, is they use higher fermentation temperatures, which makes for a more estuary kind of beer with what's become known as the funky Belgian flavors, in addition to the yeast that they use. Uh, I'm sure you know a lot of the a lot of them have their tricks. There's a Deprof brewery, which is kind of like a contract brewery. They make specialty stuff for a lot of different people, and they won't tell you anything about. The beers, you know, the recipes. George, anything about that? I mean, you've been over there with these great guys, the Dole and everyone else. Do you, are they out there, like, collaborating with other breweries or sharing secrets? Do you think everybody has their own No, I, I think I think there is uh, certainly uh, an environment of, of uh, mutual respect and, at times, collaboration. Um, and actually related to the Dole, uh, the Dole had a, had a problem back in 2000. Uh, when they were making Stillnacht, which is the beer we were about to try. And uh, because they had switched their yeast source, the yeast had become quite aggressive, and it was causing their bottles to explode. And when this started happening, Chris actually got on the phone and called Jean Van Roy at Cantillon and said, I need, I think it was six or seven barrels. Uh, and John said, well, when do you need them? And he goes, uh, this afternoon. And John said, no problem, and got him six barrels up to his brewery like that. So there is a sort of mutual camaraderie here uh, in the beer community in Belgium. And you, you also have to think, too, because, um, you know, when these big brewing companies came into Belgium, they really took over and they it caused a lot of breweries to close down. Uh, so there are not a ton of breweries in Belgium anymore. Uh, at least if you look back into history, there were like thousands and thousands of breweries in Belgium. And yeah, now there's no, no uh, longer. I mean, it's interesting that um, 
a lot of people say that the uh, the U.S., especially beer market, actually saved the small brewers in Belgium because back in the 90s, this was the biggest market for them. They had very they had a lot of difficulty uh, getting access into into bars um, and places in Belgium because the big uh, breweries, um, you know, like the Stella Artois, were really um, you know controlling a lot of a lot of the. Uh, well, we, we know from 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 Michael Jackson's book and. From uh, Don and Wendy from Van Bergen to Wolf, when when they, they they took Michael Jackson's book and were in Belgium and they found Saison Dupont, and apparently that was the last producer of Saison, and by them importing it to the states, they they saved the brand. Yeah, now it's a very popular style for American brewers, right? So, Jordan, what about you, Dan? Have you had any like anecdotal stories about Belgium or uh, things that you want to know about Belgium? Uh, I mean, I think for me, my adult story was when I visited is that it, it, I went like a heat-seeking missile uh, for specific beers. One of the beers we're actually going to drink uh, later in the show. And when I when I found that beer, uh, it was an ethereal moment for me. And it really sort of changed me from being a beer, you know, as a hobby to something I really wanted to take part for my entire life. So I think that you know, he, hearing these uh, a lot of the, the detailed stories that I, I wasn't aware of about some of these brewers is really interesting to me. So we should just mention some of the. Cl- you're going to say it, so say it. And, and Tony brought the beer. So what's the beer you went looking uh, for? Westy Twelve. Uh, I, I had read about the the. There was a release in New York of this particular uh, Trappist beer that that you know wasn't necessarily the best way that that it was produced in New York allegedly. Uh, so when I went to Belgium, I, I sort of was was seeking it out. Uh, and when I found it, I sat down to lunch by myself at a at a brasserie, and you know I. I ate it with a sandwich. It was a pork pate sandwich on beer bread, and it was just like my world exploded. You know, my- <laughs> One thing I love about the classic Belgian beers, when you think of like the Trappist breweries, is they actually have a place in the world, like in, in fine dining and, and, and beer and, and wine lists around the world. So I was in Amsterdam in 2009, and a, a typical good neighborhood bar, they had, you know, aquavides and, and liquor and, and a good pills by the glass. But then they also had a selection of just good Belgians. They had West Mall double and triple and all the Rocheforts. And I'll never forget that, that wow, for them, that's, that was an important part of, of their beverage uh, selection. Yeah, I think that's where Michael Jackson had his epiphany on a train going through the Netherlands and has had his first Belgian beer. And um, it started a whole new uh, road for him. So, so let's, let's talk about the Stillanox. So one thing that was fun about this show today you, uh, I think Justin asked if you could bring in the Stillanoct, and you said no. And, and a big shout out to Jimmy's number forty-three. Yeah, we thank, actually have thank you, all these thank beers. You. We actually usually have some a, a whole bunch of crazy. Well, we're known for our draft beers. We have a lot of New York City, you know, new breweries on tap. But we always have one reason we do these events, like Battle of the Belgians. We do a, a sour event in the spring. Is that that's our excuse to stock up on some really cool cool bottles. And I don't know, Dan, as you open your, your beer shop, you know, we're, we're, we're draft first. We, we get in draft every week and move it. But, you know, every couple of weeks we buy a couple good cases of really good good bottled beer. And many of them are Belgian and some are sour. But our, our Belgians right now, it's, it's a great list. And so I want to say, Justin said, where'd you get this still unlocked? And actually it was from Jimmy's number 43. So oh, yeah. you owe me a bottle, but let's talk about it. <laughs> I'll awesome beer. I promise. I, I promise you. One of my favorites. Yeah, this is um, uh, really a, a, one of uh, Dodol's most famous beers, uh, and it's brewed every year for Christmas. And uh, the beer itself uh, is a very, very strong pale ale. When it was first brewed, it was actually quite dark, and it was a bit stronger than or beer. And uh, people kept saying, basically, oh, this is just stronger and better or beer. And Chris didn't like that, so he said, forget that. I'm going to make it completely pale. 
and just brewed it entirely with pale malt. Uh, but the beer itself doesn't use any spices whatsoever. He uses quite a lot of uh, candy sugar, which is uh, quite typical in Belgium. They add that to the kettle, and it uh, obviously will boost the uh, fermentability of the beer and thus the alcohol level of the beer. So this beer today is about 12% alcohol by volume. Uh, it's quite potent, uh, but the beer itself has... Uh, there's a, a very interesting uh, beer festival every year in Flanders, and uh, in the Flemish region of Belgium, uh, and uh, they uh, judge... Christmas and uh, winter beers, and it's won this award, I can't even tell you how many times, I think 2005, 2007, and then I think from like 2009 until 2015, every year it won the award. Uh, I, I but, love it. It's, it's the beer that just made me lose my mind. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's worthy. That was uh, interesting. They got a lot of press over in the States, not necessarily the, the way they wanted it, but uh, back in the early 90s, early days of L Street News, there's a restaurant in Miles, Pennsylvania called The Farmhouse. They did a, a Christmas beer dinner. And they got their hands on some Stillnacht, um, which wasn't exactly legal. And the Pennsylvania <laughs> Liquor Authority decided to raid the restaurant and the dinner. They closed it down. <laughs> what? No way. During yeah. the dinner? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. It was too strong. Wow. Dan, at uh, the, the Beer Karma shop, you're opening Beer Karma, a store in Williamsburg near Metropolitan Ave. Yep. Hopefully, what, January, February? January, February. February, I think, yeah. is, is the when we'll have our true hard open date. Um, I mean, I, I think Belgian beers are, are really what I want to stock my fridge with for, for off-premise. I, I think we'll definitely – I'm only going to have eight tap lines. I think there's going to be one or two lines that will be dedicated to Belgian-style beers, whether it be American saisons or, or otherwise. But, you know, all of these Belgian beers that we've, we've brought out thus far are beers that hold up really well. You know what I mean? So I don't necessarily have to worry about uh, uh, if I buy a case, if it doesn't move in two or three months. If anything, it's going to be better. Uh, so I think that's, that's for me, the reason why I want to ha- uh, stock my shelves with beers like these because they're, they're – one, delicious, uh, but they also last very long, too. All right, and for our listeners, so we know that there's that secretly the Belgian, some of the Belgian beers have really naughty, nasty names that aren't always translated. But many American breweries have come up with a, you know, a Belgian-style beer, and they've added like an outrageous name. So you can tweet us at beer underscore sessions or Instagram us or email. Let us know the names out there that you think are crazy that American breweries are, are, are using. And we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, Battle of the Belgians results are in. This is like December 2016. Can't believe it's almost Christmas, but this is like our Christmas beer tasting. So happy to be with Tony Forder from Ale Street News, George from Be United, and Dan is going to open a beer shop in Williamsburg called Beer Karma very soon. So cheers, guys. I think we're, we're drinking the, the Dola Stilla Noct. Uh, uh, I'm actually pour some sure. beer here. Yeah. Give me George is going to pour us the West Vlaterian which I've never tasted before, so I, I do not. I'm, I'm not an expert of beer. There's so many beers in the world. There's guys like our buddy Chris O'Leary from at Brew Newark, New York, who's been to. This is about 150 breweries a year. I only get to drink what 
I get to drink in studio. So. And was it last week, Jimmy, you had the show on uh, rare beers and why this was popular? I mean, people call this the rarest beer in the world because you have to go to the monastery to buy it, and uh, they only sell it on particular days. But uh, we always um, go to this one bar in Brussels called Au Bon Vieux Tom, the good old times. Um, they always somehow have the Westies there. And uh, I don't know if we'll go there this year because I bought everyone a Westie last year, and the price went up a lot, like 10 <laughs> euros a bottle. <laughs> wow. But it, it was a good talk last week. But, but you know, so Westie, it's, it's rare. It's limited. It's a good beer. But I have to say that, you know, the Or beer and, and Orval and – I like my, there's so many good beers out there. You know, would I actually go and chase this beer? Dan? Is any beer worth chasing? Uh, I mean, it's a very delicious beer. I think the one thing that stands out is the finish on this beer, uh, is that it really, really lasts for a long time. Like when you drink a great wine, is that this lingers on your tongue, and not in a bitter, bitterness way. It really lingers on your tongue for a good, you know, eight to ten seconds. And, and it is just fantastic. Um, but you know, when when they did their brief distribution in New York a couple of years ago, uh, which was allegedly to help rebuild the roof uh, in their monastery, uh, people were waiting in line. It was selling for eighty dollars a bottle on Craigslist. That's not necessarily worth it, no. But if you happen to be in Belgium, and well, you could tell, sort us, of, yeah. tell us the style. So this is yeah, it's, it's well, a Westie. It's only they I make give one, you a little bit of the. Uh, do they make one beer only, it, or do they make West different styles? This is like strong Belgian dark ale, um, similar to the Rochefort Ten. Uh, the backstory on this was that uh, the St. Bernardus Brewery, which you probably heard of, they used to brew the beer for um, West Flatteron Monastery. It was under the St. Sixus label. St. Sixus is the name of the monastery. So um, back in the 90s, in order to really, they changed the rules for, for designation for a Trappist brewery. You had to brew it in the monastery. So West Flatteron said, all right, we're going to put a brewery in and we're going to brew it back there. So they... They took back the beer, and the, the same beer that St. Bernardus used to make for them is now St. Bernardus 12. And you can do a blind taste test between St. Bernardus 12 and West Lettering 12, and it's, it's, it's pretty even what people think. You know, the West, uh, St. Bernardus is a little sweeter, I would say. Yeah, they're, they're, they're very, very similar. St. Bernardus is, is a fantastic beer as well. I mean, if, if, if you were rating them, I, you know, this is definitely a little bit better, but they're not drastically different, and you could find St. Bernardus pretty much anywhere in new york city it's, it's they sell it in bodegas practically so it's it's if, if you want something of this caliber i used, I used to carry the, the same bernardus 12 on draft lot she was in 43 mm-hmm. great beer great beer but uh, my, my thoughts me. on live i was wondering uh, uh this particular sample has got a little bit of age on it but well, it's also it's, it's not pleasant i was about to say this is beautiful i mean how so i see it's 2009 correct it looked at, on the cap at least. It oh, is said, that? Okay. It said 2009. Okay. So it's aged incredibly. It uh, is beautiful. It's really developed yeah. quite well. And a lot of people used to chase this beer. You, you chase it, Dan. Again, tell us one more time. So when you went to Belgium, one place you went to was. Uh, it was a beer brasserie, uh, Gambrus, I think was the name of it. And then they had bottles behind the counter, and it was just one of those things where I, I was. They had a, a binder of a beer menu, and I was flipping yeah, I've through been it. There. Flipping it's through a huge it, book. And I just sort of like, I zeroed in, and I was like, yep, they have it. And I I, I opened a bottle. It was the first, I was probably still 11.30 in the morning, but it was just sort of like the, the best breakfast beer I'd ever Wait, had in my did, entire life. Did you, were you fortunate enough to go to the little Bruges Bear? Uh, oh, sorry, oh my God! The, the little Bruges Bear with Daisy as the owner. Who no, no, there. I didn't. No, no, I didn't. That's a great that, place that in Bruges. The place is incredible. Oh my God! And, and Dodol actually makes a beer specifically for the Bruges Bear. Actually, mm-hmm. it d- doesn't go anywhere else but the Bruges Bear. 
That bar is legendary. Mm-hmm. Michael Jackson used to hang out there and stuff. Uh, I had brought home a couple of bottles of this. Uh, I didn't. I, I, I think it was only three. They were relatively expensive, and I was nervous about them getting confiscated. So I, I regret not bringing more. Uh, but I still have one in my cellar. And I, and I said to Jimmy before we recorded that, you know, after our first hard open night, I'm going to open this bottle. So uh, is that this is going to be my, this is going to be my celebratory whenever they bottle. open. 2017, go their opening. Yeah, I'll, right? I'll split it 24 ways. Everyone, everyone will get a half ounce. So, George, it's one thing. It's like you guys, it's like, I don't, I don't want to like it, it to be too obscure, but for listeners out there, I'm sure there's people that have been to Belgium. You guys are talking in Bruges. I've never been to Belgium. So what's the first place I should go if I go to Belgium? Go to L Street News. Come on our tour. Well, when's, when's the next one, Tony? The next one is coming up uh, end of April. We That's go. fine, but wh- where's the, the go-to stop in Belgium? Well, what we, we, we I'm go passing th- through. I have one day. Where am I going? Well, I would suggest Bruce. that you plan it for uh, – we always go to the um, – we go to the end of April because it's the Zethos Festival, and this is the best artisanal festival in Belgium. It's the end of April, and uh, it's it's in Leuven, and um, it's all the good breweries are, are just gathered together. It's open two days. It used to be called the 24-hour beer festival, 12 hours each day. It's evolved a little bit. Uh, but one thing I might touch on there that's pretty interesting going on in Belgium now, we have a lot of gypsy brewers here. And it's, it's starting a lot over there, too. And the established brewers are not too happy about it in Belgium. It's kind of controversial uh, because they don't always, they're not clear about, you know, they is it a, a label, but they don't have a brewery. Is it a labeling, as I say, is it a labeling issue? Because I think you know, in the U.S. it's pretty clear when, when a brewer is a gypsy brewer, they say brewed by Grimm at, at Beltway Brewing. Is it not necessarily in it, front of people? Well, it gives a town, you know, kind of. Mm-hmm. But, um... It's, um, I mean, here it's like we like all kinds of beer, you know, you know Grimm, and people make beer at Two Roads in Connecticut. I mean, it's, it's, it's good. But uh, there, it's the established brewers are not so uh, thrilled about these, these young guys coming in and just making well, whatever beer. We'll, we'll move through that. And uh, George, you have some other, like, real small breweries that you guys work with besides the Dola. Did you bring yep. any Alvina? Yeah, so I brought uh, one beer from Alvin, uh, their Omega, and I also brought a beer from uh, Hanson's, which is a very old Lambic blend. Let's pop those and talk about it. I, w- I want to do it now. I'm going to read off the winners of the Battle of the Belgians this year because it's going to showcase a lot of really interesting uh, styles of beer, some Belgian style made in America and some Belgian. So uh, the, the judges uh, picked some categories. One is Hoppy Belgian. So Hoppy Belgian as a style. Now, Tony, what do you think about that? I mean, there's beers like uh, Duranky XX. Uh, De La Seine made a beer called Monsieur Shelton, and the one that the panel picked this year was actually from the brewery in California uh, in their Turo series, Humulus Turo, which is like a hoppy pale ale. You know, what is the history of, of, of the like the hoppy pale ale in Belgium? I, I know it's it predates American IPAs, but Belgians have always had a certain kind of hop. Sure. Uh, the Double X Durant that you mentioned, I mean, that was one of the hoppiest bill, uh Hoppy's beers in Belgium before the American influence started showing up and um, we started using some American hops. I was at a, uh, a brewing day in Cantillon, which is the Lambic brewery, where um, this was when the, the legendary Brett Pack, which was Sam Calagione from Dogfish Head and five other breweries like Vinnie Colorso from Russian River, they were, they were all there. And they were brewing with uh, Jean Van Roy, who um, George mentioned earlier. And they had this big bag of... Um, Hops and um, he he starts pouring the pellet hops and, and John's like 
sort of tipping it in. And he's like, how much? How Tony's much, demonstrating how, how much <laughs> pouring hops into a beer. <laughs> he usually comes with a flute. He didn't have a flute today. The and he's like, how much? And they're just like, all of it, all of it. And he's like, really? Okay. Oh, it was uh, Amarillo, With, a big bag of right, Amarillo. And the next stop, I went through this. So yep. the next for the judges of the Battle of the Belgians this year, the Belgian Sours. Another, there was another brewery uh, to called Sour in the Rye, which I thought it was a very assertive sour, like American sour. And then we had a classic Lambic, the Tilkin Goose, which we haven't really talked as much about Lambics on this show, but we'll do that another show. And, the, and then a beer out of Deprof called it Primitive Wild, which is... Another kind of like modern Sarah. So right now we're tasting Alvina's, uh, what is Omega? So this is, yeah, this is Alvin's uh, Omega. So also another Belgian Sarah. Indeed, yeah. So Alvin, uh, they're a tiny little operation out of a town called Moon, Belgium. Uh, this is in the, um, yeah, that's all you. Uh, this is in the uh, Flemish region of Belgium. Uh, the famous mixed fermentation area, as I talked about earlier, where we have Rodenbach and Leafmans and things like that. Uh, but uh, Alvin, they're a, quite a young brewery. Uh, they were started by uh, two guys, home brewers, and uh, they were joined by another one of their friends named Mark. And uh, Mark is uh, a microbiologist. And he actually... Uh, George, these guys sound too normal. There's Chris. <laughs> he's an architect. He wears yeah. bow ties. And a microbiologist. Yeah, you know, keep it weird in Belgium. Come on. They don't have beards. Uh, they, some of them do. Maybe not. Maybe some of them do. Anyway, um, back to Alvin. Alvin, so Mark uh, at Alvin. The Belgians express themselves through their beer. And, and, um, totally. I'm jumping but Justin asked Justin for a question. So, Justin, do you have a question for Belgian beers? And he said, um, the Belgian beer question, why do they all smell musty? Is that what you really said, Justin? Come on. <laughs> but they don't, they don't have beards. They wear bow ties. Right. We're having fun with this because we love the Belgian beers. Yeah. And I'm trying to get more people interested in them again because uh, my customers ask for them. Right, right, but right. But is a wild place too. No, definitely. But they uh, recently they, they've really become well-known for uh, their yeast. And uh, obviously, as, as we talked about earlier, Belgium is very famous for their, their yeast expressiveness and the esters and phenols that those yeasts produce. Those, there's very classic Belgian flavors. Uh, but um, Alvin has their own culture of yeast. They actually captured the yeast in the wild. You can do that. I don't know if anyone knows that. You can put it like a Petri dish out, and you can capture yeast. And so that's what they did, and they found this crazy yeast culture, which they now use to ferment all of their beer, and it's called Morpheus yeast. I kid you not. It's actually a reference to the, the film The Matrix. Um, uh, but uh, the yeast itself creates this very unique uh, uh, sourness in this beer, uh, which you're prob- presumably hopefully getting. Uh, but uh, it's a lot of lactic acid bacteria, so the, like the type you find in yogurt, for example. So it's a very smooth sourness. Uh, and again, this is brewed in the region uh, of Belgium, which is known for its its mixed, quote-unquote, mixed fermentation beers. Dan, you're taking notes. Are you taking notes for beers you're going to have at your bar, or are you taking notes for questions? Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, I, I, but what I was, what I was going to say is this beer, this beer is truly sour. Uh, the stout that we had earlier was just kind of a touch funky, but this is one of those beers where if you've never had a sour beer before and someone said, this is a sour beer, most people would be like, whoa, this is not what I was expecting. And... and, and you might want to take sort of a second look at it, uh, but it's delicious. Uh, and I think it's one of those uh, – what I tell people when they're trying sour beers for the first time, if they don't like it, is try today, give it another week or two or three and come back to it because it's one of those styles where it's very, very different than what you're expecting. Because in, in a lot of beers, this would be considered a brewing flaw. Uh, this would be a bad thing for, for the beers for it to taste this way. Uh, but for this beer, it tastes delicious. Uh, it's something that you would, you would want uh, out of the beer. 
Um, so it, it, it's a good one for sure. And we love these guys. And jumping back, another category that the judges picked, they called it Belgian Specialty Strong. There were a lot of beers in that category. One was Aco Blonde, which is a triple. This triple style is a great style of Belgium. The Or Beer from Dodola. And uh, the Dry Fontaine and the Zvet B, which is also like a sour pour. There's so many different beers coming out of Belgium. I, 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 I'm not even going to list the rest of them. Check it out on jimmysnumber43.com. There's going to be posts about the, the, the best Belgian beers. But I wanted to say that for me, you know, all the styles we're talking about and you know, everyone was into the great American craft beers. Belgian triples to me were like kind of what really made me get into beer. I mean, even back in the, in the 90s, I was buying wine, you know, just drinking Chimay triples and getting into West Mile and Rochefort and Orval and things. It's a beer that transcends you. It's yes, it's a secret. It's the secret sleeper. It's it's stronger than you realize. It's easy to drink. But that's what kind of separates it from, you know, some other beers and, and other beer styles. But Tony, I have a question for you. Um, I have a misunderstanding about Belgian strong beers. Were they always making triples and, and stronger candied sugar beers, or did it come about from prohibition? George is shaking his head. Well, I don't think it was no. pro- prohibition necessarily. I mean, Duval was really the standard of strong golden ale, and um, there's a story about the, the brewer went to Scotland and, and stole the yeast from a brewery there and, and brought it back to, to Belgium. Uh, but historically, I think their session beer is usually about 6 or 7%. They just used it drinking stronger beers. Um, well, I, yeah, I think uh, if you look back at the history of Belgium itself, obviously the, the Trappists had a, a huge influence. But, you know, in the, in the 19th century, so the 1800s, um, you, the most popular beer was, was Lambic, and that beer was usually quite low in alcohol. But the Trappists started brewing, and uh, they obviously started brewing some pretty strong beer, which became very popular. Uh, and that uh, popularity spread, obviously, all the way to the U.S., uh, but uh, the Belgians really were the ones that pioneered the triple style. As I said earlier, West Mali was the first, uh, undoubtedly, to really popularize the triple style. And Dan, any thoughts on that? If we were talking prohibition, and I am by f- I'm very far from a beer story, and I thought it was in regards to that that they banned that gin was the or, or was booze was the drinking man's uh, uh, what what they drank, uh, and that became very very expensive, uh, and that they then started making stronger beer uh, in response to that, uh, and yep. that was sort of what what came out of it is that they were they were they were taxed based on the the kettles that they were brewing. Yeah, I miss uh, so that if there was one kettle, they would just make a stronger batch of beer, uh, and that's what was, was sort of... It's very interesting because um, gin was actually invented in Belgium, too. And, you know, we should call them Belgian fries, not French fries. So Belgian, you know, has a lot of stuff going on. I will say, Dan and I must have read the same article because yes. I was told that the prohibition, uh, that the prohibition in, in Belgium meant they couldn't serve gin, which no. was considered an evil. And instead, the, the Belgians started brewing stronger beers. They had it. No, I think it was, and again, not historian, that they had to buy, you had to buy two liters at a time. So from a working man's perspective, you couldn't afford to buy two liters of gin at a clip, but you could afford to buy one beer at a time. And then it was, okay, we're drinking stronger beers now that are 10% alcohol, which get you very drunk very quickly. I'll tell you, I think we're setting up a, another Belgian beer show just to talk about <laughs> Belgian histories and answer that question. Scratching the surface here. But um, just if you're in town right now, it's a, a December 20th. I think actually tonight at Bitter and Esther's, our favorite homebrew shop and beer education center in Brooklyn. 
Uh, they're hosting uh, Josh Bernstein with the Complete IPA. It's a bottle share. You, you still have time to get there, but always a shout-out to Josh Bernstein, our good buddy, and to Bitter and Esters. And, um, guys, just uh, one more time, everybody say their name. And uh, we have an in-studio guest, too, Hillary. So go around the room, say your name and your affiliation. Yes, uh, Tony Elster News. I'd just like to give a shout-out to all the people that come on our Belgian tours, many of whom come back every year. Thank you. George? Uh, George Flickinger with the United International. And that's, yeah, we are an importer and purveyor of uh, very, very nice beers from all over the world and ciders and meads and socks. Thanks, and thanks George. Uh, Dan LaMonica of Beer Karma, soon to be Bottle Shop and Taste Encounter in Williamsburg. Uh, check me out now on Instagram and Twitter at, at Beer Karma NYC. And you're due back too. We have a lot more to talk about. Yes, please. You're into like fitness and, and you have what's the, what's the running beer club you're part of? Uh, so it, it, it's called uh, Bre- the Brew Runner. So it's Beer Runners Unite. Uh, and they're sort of new within New York. Uh, and I'm hoping to open the, the Brooklyn chapter of that where you sort of go for a quick run uh, and then have a beer afterwards. I'm a little bit more of a, I'm an ultra marathoner. So I do uh, 30 plus mile runs and then drink plenty of beer afterwards to rehydrate. I knew that guy was crazy. <laughs> oh, to be young. And then our, our, our NYU Fusai's grad buddy. Um, I'm Hillary, the NYU group. Food Hillary, what program. did you learn from sitting in with the show today? Too much to say in one word. <laughs> <laughs> and George, the last beer, which again, it's the you said the lambics were popular in the 19th century. I always yeah. have Hansons. What's the last beer you have? Pop that while we're uh, let's do it. Closing um, so out. So right. uh, this last beer is from Hansons. They are a very small lambic uh, blendery um, based just outside of Brussels. Uh, the uh, lambic, uh, well, Hansons itself was established uh, in the late 19th century. Looks so, like I think it's uh, 1896. I want to say by Bartholomew Hansons, who was uh, the mayor of the town of Dwarp, Belgium. Uh, but uh, Hansen's now is a lambic blendery, so they don't actually brew any beer. In World War One, uh, the Germans took, or they stole, well, they requisitioned, I suppose, all of their copper. Uh, so they lost their brew kettle. And actually, interestingly, now in Belgium, there are no brew kettles that date to before 1920, basically, because obviously they've all been stolen. They were all stolen by the Germans. Uh, but uh, this beer that's going around is uh, Hansen's, uh, a version of Hansen's Creek that has been brewed with a very rare variety of uh, cherry uh, called Scarenbecca cherries. Uh, these cherries were once uh, v- quite popular in Belgium, and they were found all over Belgium. But due to the sort of uh, increasing uh, sprawl of Brussels, most of them were actually destroyed. So now to find them, it's, it's very difficult, and you have to handpick them. Uh, so this is a, a very classic interpretation of the Creek style. You know, we're, we're winding down the show. I'd like to say that, you know, happy holidays, everybody. It's the end of our seventh year on Beer Sessions Radio. And, you know, if, if I were in Belgium right now, if I were going to call on some friends and family, you know, what would be an appropriate gift? Would it be the Hanson Scarenbecca? You know, what are the things that they would consider, you know, a luxury uh, for a drink? You know, we give champagne here. What would they give? In where in Belgium is that? Yes. Is that what they're Oh, um, I have maybe, maybe some focal banger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have a focal banger at the bar as soon as we're done. That's what everybody's still talking about from last week. And then last oh, one, that is nice. You take them a, a U.S. beer, they appreciate it. Oh, if they brew us, they, they want American craft beer. If they, if they brew us, it's interesting. And last question. So, what about crazy beer names? So, I thought of one which we mentioned the brewery today from Flying Dog. Uh, it's Pearl Necklace, which which I find to be sort of uh, both disgusting and offensive. And if you don't know what it means, I'm sorry. Don't Google it. Uh, if you do. Uh, it's definitely an odd name for a beer, for sure. Uh, I think there's an Italian brewery that has the same same name. Really? Uh, yeah. so, so, so this was a fun show. We talked about a lot of great things again. Uh, Tony, Hillary, George. 
and Dan. Thanks for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. Happy holidays. Uh, we'll, we'll be uh, running some uh, pre-recorded shows in the next couple of weeks. We'll see you back again in 2017. And I'm um, Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producer, Justin Kennedy, engineer David Tadashore. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. Happy New Year and Merry Christmas. All Merry right. Christmas. Happy New Year. Woo. All right. Yep. listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.